say, Allah immediately instructs the Messenger Sallallahu what he must do, say this, do that, carry out that order, that instruction. So here Allah Ta'ala addresses him slightly different. Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nabi, O Messenger, inna arsalnaka, indeed we sent you, shahidan, as a witness, wa mubashiran, as a bringer of glad tidings, wa nadira, and we sent you as a warner, glad tidings of Jannah, for those who believe in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, those who implement the laws of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, uh, and a warner to those who reject Allah, those who choose to not obey Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, وَدَاعِيًا إِلَى اللَّهِ بِإِذْنِهِ and we, sent, uh, and we sent you as well as a caller to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by Allah's permission, وَسِرَاجًا مُنِيرًا And we sent you as a Siraj and as a Munir. So we know the names, Siraj and Munir, very beautiful names, mashallah, titles as Allah gives it to the Prophet But Siraj meaning a, uh, a lamp, a light, a, a light, and a Munir also a lamp. Both these words mean uh, both these words mean a light and a lamp. The difference between them, though, when Allah Taala speaks about the sun, and then He says that the sun is siraj, and Allah Taala speaks about the moon, and He says that the moon is munir. So the difference between the sun and the moon, of course, the sun uh, uh, shines its own light, and the moon reflects the light of the sun. So this is how Allah Taala describes the Prophet Sallam and his benefit that he had for us in every single aspect that he brought. Number one, he was like the sun. So in other words, for us as creation, we drew benefit from him in whatever he had to give us. But at the same time, he was the reflected nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whatever goodness Allah ta'ala had and wanted to send to all of us, Allah ta'ala gave that goodness to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and through him we receive and achieve all goodness that we are able to do. Uh, just think about that, subhanAllah, any goodness, any good action, any good deed, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, a smile in the face of your brother, any good action, a sadaqah, a dhikr that we make, all of this, all good that any person will do in the name of Islam, in the name of being Muslim, the Prophet Muhammad sallam will benefit a part of that, and in fact he is the source that uh, on this world that we are able to do that, alhamdulillah in relation to all of the salah lessons that we've been trying to imbibe within ourselves, uh, just think about that, subhanAllah. The fact that each one of us is able to better our salah through the teachings of our beloved Nabi Muhammad wasallam, and each one of us, when we do endeavor to better our salah, then he wasallam, will get and achieve a portion of that salah that we are able to make, alhamdulillah. Uh, today, uh, dear brothers and sisters, uh, you should see the, the, the note that you guys received today, invocations from Quran and Sunnah. So today's lesson, inshallah, we're going to focus on dhikr uh, and dua. Today's the focus of today, dhikr and dua. Why? Because of the fact that they are so very, very closely connected, specifically, firstly, to our salah, but then also to our lives as Muslims. Um, one is not, in fact, able to perform a salah, that doesn't have a portion of dhikr in it. It must have dhikr in because dhikr, the words that we use to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we say that in our salah. And uh, when we implement all the extra sunnas of the salah, then we would be performing dua as well in our salah, uh, within the salah itself. And then after the salah, that the time of the dua, of course, is one of those special times as well. Uh, there was three uh, issues that were just brought up questions. I will address them. Uh, a little bit later, inshallah, we just get into today's content firstly. Um, 
So dhikr and salah, both dhikr and dua, both coming in the salah, and kind of inseparable. Um, right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates us, and Allah ta'ala says that, وَمَا خَلَقَتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I have not created mankind, nor jinn kind, except that they should worship me, that they should recognize me. يَعْبُدُونَ The word in there is عَبْد, عِبَادَة To be a slave, to recognize that he is a slave, and to recognize that I am the Lord, that is why I have created mankind. So, Allah ta'ala puts us on this dunya, we don't know how to worship him, so he sends us Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, best worshipper, best of everything, and the Prophet ﷺ lays to us out exactly what we should do, when we should do it, how we should do it, subhanallah, uh, all in a very, very beautiful, perfect system. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing our creation and knowing how He had made us, gives us certain uh, extra recharge periods. An extra recharge period. So normally you charge your phone and there's this time, but if you charge in this hours, then you get extra charges and you know free units or whatever the case may be. So Allah Ta'ala gives us that type of opportunity regarding our ability to connect to, connect to Him. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that uh, every month of the year is special. But here I give you one month, the month of Ramadan. In this month, uh, fard actions are no longer like normal fard actions. A fard action now is worth 70 fard actions. And one sunnah now is worth 70 sunnah actions when it's not Ramadan. Subhanallah. Allah gives us an entire month to build up and to, to do extra so that we can draw from that spiritual charge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us uh, the day of Jumu'ah. Every single week the day of Jumu'ah comes and the Prophet ﷺ speaks about the day of Jumu'ah and the, the beauty and the blessing thereof and the, the gift of performing extra abundant salawat on the day of Jumu'ah uh, and so forth and so on and so on. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us uh, the time of tahajjud. The time of tahajjud. That's those few hours just before the adhan of the Fajr Salah. And we will mention some narrations regarding this time and the, the beauty and the acceptance of dua that Allah Ta'ala affords to us at that particular time of the day. Um, the day of Arafah, subhanAllah. Every single day, special, beautiful. But the day of Arafah, and especially for a haji, on the day of Arafah, yes, for everyone, wherever you might be, but especially for a haji, and then for anybody else where they might be because of the haji, that the day of Arafah, Day of fasting, a day of forgiveness of sins, and so forth, and so on, and so on. And Allah Ta'ala, even more than that, He gives us five times a day. He gives us a portion of every day that is special. So one time that was the, the time before uh, Fajr Salah, the time of Tahajjud. But then the special time also is after the Fard Salah. After the Fard Salah, very special time that the Prophet Sallallahu said, this is a time that dua must be made. And of course, this is now our connection and why we want to focus on it as well, inshallah. Um, what becomes, and what can sometimes become somewhat of a norm, is the fact that, uh, the idea that we become so used to the, the certain format that we have and the, that we do certain things in. So we go to the masjid, adhan goes, we wait 10 minutes, we perform the fard salah, afterwards the imam makes the dua, we all sit at the back, we say amin, perform our sunnahs, and then we leave. Um, the idea of dua and the idea of me making my own dua or me saying amin behind somebody else that is making dua. Where do we sort of draw the line here? What is the balance? And so forth and so on. A hajj 
a person goes on Umrah or they come back from Umrah and they come home. So now they phone the Imam. Nee, die Imam moet vir my bereis in Kodua maak. Hy moet Dua kom maak. Mashallah. Very beautiful. Beautiful tradition that we have. Alhamdulillah. But if we just look at that one particular instance there, the Prophet says that whoever performs Hajj or Umrah, then there's one narration that says that after they leave and they return home, their du'as is still accepted for up to 40 days after they return. Subhanallah. So if that imam didn't go on hajj now, for example, right, and we had to compare now between the haji and the imam, but the imam didn't go on hajj. From what we can understand from a narration like this, whose du'a would be weightier? The person that went on hajj. So technically speaking, that haji must make his own du'a when he go in the house. He mustn't phone the imam, that the imam must come make du'a for him in the house. So sometimes because of what becomes our norm, uh, we tend to think, you know, it must be done like that. Laat ik gewoon voor die imam van die imam moet kunnen doen maken. Maar hoe kan ik hier mee doen maken? Die zijn meken of is mij, whatever the case may be. I must on my own have built up some sort of relationship like this with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I can call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala myself. And this is one of the most beautiful parts of Islam, subhanallah. We don't believe in intermediaries. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been 12 weeks since my last confession. Don't worry, my son, you are forgiven. And you can go and you can live just like you were living before this confession. No problem. And you come back in another few weeks' time and I'll forgive you again. Absolutely not. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves that door open for each and every one of us to always be able to call on Him and to always directly, personally be able to remember Him. وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ أُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Very, very quickly, very, very briefly, Allah says, Your Lord says, Call on me and I will respond. Subhanallah. Call on me and I will respond. So each one of us can and should uh, work on this particular uh, facet of our lives. The way that we communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, outside of that formal setting of salah. How did the Prophet ﷺ teach us to do this? How did he teach us to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, because of the fact that my life is not a life that, that transpires in salah. None of us, none of our lives transpire in salah. Our lives are made up of a little bit of salah, but outside of salah, most of the time more than what we are in salah. So in every single aspect of our lives, the Prophet ﷺ incorporated for us adhkar and dua, a way to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when does it start? It starts when I open my eyes in the morning. Subhanallah. I open my eyes in the morning and my life of dhikr, my life of dua already starts. Dhikr and dua, sometimes we use them interchangeably, but we will expand a little bit more later, inshallah. Or rather, we might as well even do it now. Dhikr, of course, in Arabic just means to remember. So to mention something, to remind yourself about something, uh, to solidify something, to mention it again and to mention it again and to repeat it again, this would be dhikr. So the word dhakar ayadkuru means to say, to mention, to remember. This is what dhikr is, to remind myself. I say la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah. I say it more and more and more so that I can remind myself that the only purpose worthy of living is to love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why I say that. I say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. To remind myself of what? Whatever thing I might think has any sort of greatness in it, whatever thing might be worth something, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is worth more than that. Allah is greater than that. Allah is more superior than that. And so forth and so on and so on and so on. Subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. I go wherever and by the quiet car show and you see all these quiet cars that they have no flaws on and the paint is 100% quiet and you open the engine and it's sparkling and you see no fault. So I look at this and I say, Subhanallah. Because Allah Ta'ala really is the only one that doesn't have any fault. And this is how I go through my day. But specific du'as at specific action, this is what the Prophet also brought us and what he taught us. So I open my eyes in the morning. Alhamdulillahilladhi ahyana ba'dama amatana wa ilayhin nushur. Some of us may know the Arabic. We may not know the Arabic, uh, which is another part that we're going to touch on later, inshallah. Um, but yes, if we can learn the Arabic, Bismillah, that would of course be uh, of the best. Because the Prophet made dua in Arabic, and we can make dua in Arabic as well. Uh, some other scholars look at the same concept and they say, the Prophet made dua in his own language. It wasn't an idea of him making dua in Arabic. Arabic just happened to be his language, the language that he spoke, the language of the people that he lived amongst. So he was in Arabic, he spoke Arabic. So he made dua in Arabic because that was the language he spoke. And you that is not Arabic, that is English or Italian or Zulu or wherever you are and wherever you are from, you must make dua in your language, in the way that you understand, in the way that you speak, in the way that you can respectfully converse with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet showed us structured du'as in all of the happenings that happen through our lives throughout the day. You wake up, there's something to say to remember Allah by. You put on your clothes, there's something to remember Allah by. You enter the bathroom to relieve yourself, there's something to remember Allah by. You're done relieving yourself, there's something to remember Allah by. In between, when you're not doing anything specific, there's other words to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by. And so forth and so on and so on. Into your conveyance, you recite a dua. Out of your conveyance, you recite a dua. Walking up the stairs, you recite a dua. Walking downstairs, you recite a dua. Uh, when someone gives you something, when you give someone else something, and so forth and so on. When a, a, a calamity befalls, when a good thing happens and comes your way, subhanallah, in each of these instances, the Prophet ﷺ showed us what to do, what to say, what would be the best thing to connect and to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that particular event. Um, there's many, many books that you will find uh, regarding this and, and, and books that will expound on these types of dhikrs. Um, the notes that you have received is uh, uh, an excerpt from the book called the uh, Hisnul Muslim, The Fortress of a Muslim. It's a very, very common, commonly printed book, uh, The Fortress of a Muslim. It's a little pocket-sized booklet. And in it, is, in it uh, there are all, or not all, but many of the adhkar that the Prophet ﷺ would do throughout any given day. So the, the book is actually formatted like that from waking up in the morning and then everything and, and the, the last of the book is what the Prophet ﷺ did, the last thing uh, like at night before he would go sleep. So showing an entire day and the different times of the day and the different things when the rain would uh, uh, fall or the wind would blow or he would hear lightning or thunder, all of these types of things, there are certain du'as and ways to call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, that would be in emulation of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Most of them, uh, the entire book could be too much to go through, but uh, for the purpose of our class, again, because it's salah related, we related, uh, we copied from the, when going to the masjid, 
So you'll see the on all of the notes it has the, the Arabic dua and then it has the dua written in transliteration and then it has the English as well. Um, most important thing for us to take would of course be the theme of the dua. When I say the theme of the dua, I mean I see you going into the mosque. So I need to make a dua when I go into the masjid. If I can't remember the Arabic, no problem. Look at the English. What does the English say? Oh Allah, place within my heart a light and upon my tongue light and within my ears light and within my eyes light and behind me light and in front of me light and above me light and beneath me light. Oh Allah, bestow upon me light. Subhanallah. So think about the masjid and think about this light that Allah Ta'ala is speaking about. What does Allah mean? Oh, what does the Prophet mean here when he says light? He's not referring to the, the lights that are burning. No, but referring to that spiritual nur that one would go to the masjid for to be able to recharge themselves with that. Perhaps it is the sister in the corner of her home. So she has a corner that she dedicates to be the musalla. So she goes there to perform a salah and she makes a, this particular dua. Right? So the idea now isn't exactly the masjid itself, but what do I want from my going to this particular place for my salah? I'm going to the house of Allah. I want Allah Ta'ala to send these nur down. I want that salah that I'm going to make in the masjid must be a beneficial salah. I want the interaction that I'm going to have at the masjid with my brothers must be a beneficial interaction and so forth and so on. So in all of those things, Ya Allah, grant me nur. A shorter dua that we might be familiar with. Allahumma ftahli abwaaba rahmatik. Oh Allah, open for me the doors of your mercy. Just as I am open, as I am able to enter these open doors of this masjid, Ya Allah, Open for me the doors of your Jannah. This is something that I'm thinking about when I, when I enter into that masjid. Perhaps I can't remember the dua. Ya Allah, like I'm entering the masjid now, grant me to enter Jannah one day. Ya Allah, open the doors of your mercy. Ya Allah, Allahu Akbar. This is the, what I mean when I say the theme of the dua. I'm putting my clothes on in the morning. So I know in the back of my mind, hey, wait, there's a dua somewhere, a specific dua. But what is the point of me putting my clothes on? Number one, it's going to keep me warm. It's going to close my aura, etc., etc. So now I stand in front of the mirror, mashallah. Hey, chalik nukhal kwayong. But alhamdulillah, Allahumma kama hassan ta khalqi, fa hassin khuluqi. Even they're looking in the mirror. Look in the mirror, mashallah. Chalik nukhal kway. But ya Allah, just as you had uh, beautified my outer character, my outer appearance, beautify my inner character as well. Subhanallah, even in that, and looking if one is presentable, Ya Allah, just like you made me beautiful on the outside, make me beautiful on the inside as well. Looking in the mirror at that time and doing that makes it now an act of ibadah. It makes it an act of connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, yes, so this is sort of the, 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 the theme of the du'as uh, when we look through this and we can peruse that on our own, inshaAllah ta'ala. Um, to get back here, we spoke about dhikr. So I just want to quote some verses from the Quran, inshallah. Uh, this first session will just be mainly dhikr. Uh, uh, verses from the Quran where Allah Ta'ala instructs us about dhikr. And a few incidents in hadith where the Prophet shows to us and to the Sahaba the importance of dhikr and the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allah says in the Quran, وَلَا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ or first, before this, Allah says, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ We touched on that already. That salah has that ability to uh, stop you from doing any 
indecent acts, things that are detested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And immediately thereafter, Allah says, وَلَا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ And the remembrance of Allah is greater. The remembrance of Allah is greater. Meaning what? The remembrance of Allah or that salah wherein there would be a remembrance of Allah would be a salah that is greater than a salah that didn't have the remembrance of Allah. And remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at every single time is better than remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only at a certain time or only in salah. Or remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your salah is better than not remembering Allah out of your salah and so forth and so on. Anything that we will attach the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, it makes that thing greater. When we attach the remembrance of Allah ta'ala to it, it makes it greater. So the Prophet ﷺ in one hadith he speaks about even a conversation that people will have. So people can speak and converse with one another, but if there was no mention of Allah Ta'ala's name in that conversation, right? So when we say mention of Allah's name, it doesn't mean that's now a da'wah or I'm calling you, just even the phrase, Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar, Alhamdulillah, for me to include those things into my everyday conversation as a Muslim is a very, very important and commendable thing. Alhamdulillah, we should use it very, very much. The Prophet says that the person that speaks and they don't even use those phrases as reminders of Allah, it will be as if there's no, absolutely no benefit that could have come from that discussion that was had. So we remember Allah and that makes all the normal things become better things. Uh, some of the verses that were recited this, uh, before the class, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanudhkurullaha dhikran kathira, says Allah, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, an abundant dhikr, dhikran kathir, a lot. Remember Allah Ta'ala a lot, as much as you possibly can. Wasabbihuhu, and praise Him, sabbih, from the word subhanallah, praise Him, bukratan wa asila, in the early hours of the morning and in the hours of the evening. Um, in, in a hadith, there's one uh, just related to this now, morning and evening. We find this mentioned a lot in the Quran as well. Allah Ta'ala speaking about morning and evening. But morning would of course be the salah that's now firstly in the morning, which is fajr. And then evening would be maghrib and isha. And other, ta- and other places in the Quran, then Allah speaks about the middle, which would be zuhr and asr. Um, there's narrations that speak about extra dhikr that would be made after fajr. And certain extra dhikr and Quran recitation that can be done in the evening uh, after Maghrib and after Isha time. Uh, some, some ladies came to the Prophet wasallam and they said, Ya Rasulullah, we are so disadvantaged. Why? Because these brothers, the men folk, they don't have the challenges that we as women folk have. Uh, will we be able to get Jannah the same as they can get Jannah? Because we have to miss salah every month for so many days and so forth and so on. Uh, and the fasting sometimes we miss and, and so forth and all of these types of things. Will we ever be able to reach them in terms of reward? And then Allah Ta'ala revealed two very beautiful verses where Allah speaks about clearly the women folk and the men folk. Allah says regarding good deeds by the women and the men. And then in another one Allah says innal muslimina wal muslimat believing uh, uh, men and believing women. And uh, 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 devoted men and devoted women and pious men and pious women and fasting men and fasting women and then the last quality Allah says those men who remember Allah abundantly and those women who, re- uh, who remember Allah abundantly that Allah Ta'ala had prepared for them 
forgiveness wa ajran azima and a great reward which would be jannah may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that amen allah ta'ala speaks about the body positions of people uh, everything in the creation this is the first verse everything that exists in creation are signs for those who reflect for signs for those who have brains and they reflect and what do they do another sign of them alladhina yadhkuruna allah they remember allah subhanahu wa ta'ala qiyaman wa qu'udan wa ala junubihim whether they are standing or whether they are sitting or whether they are on their sides no other position for us to be in but whatever position they are such that they are remembering allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah ta'ala speaks about hajj in the quran and then allah says فَإِذَا قَضَيْتُمْ مَنَاسِكَكُمْ When you have completed all your manasik, all your rituals of hajj, فَذْكُرُ اللَّهِ Then remember Allah. كَذِكْرِكُمْ آبَاءَكُمْ Like you would remember your forefathers, أَوْ أَشَدَّ ذِكْرًا Or even more uh, severe than that, or even more intense than that. Subhanallah. Again, we have the idea of the hajj being performed and completed, but then an instruction to remember Allah, after having completed that. Just like we saw the previous verse book about salah, salah can prevent those bad things. Then Allah says, dhikr is greater. So why is Allah mentioning dhikr after mentioning these ritualized actions of worship? Is because the dhikr is actually the thing that we are supposed to take on with us outside of that, uh, uh, outside of that ritual. Outside of that ritual. The ritual of the hajj, for example, is the throwing of the jamarat over there. So at that point, I'm throwing the jamarat and I'm throwing the jamarat and I'm casting shaitan out in that uh, specific manner. But that same pelting of the jamarat is something that I'm supposed to do when I come at home and my friends say, hey, come we go. And then I hear the adhan. And then I'm supposed to pelt the jamarat away. That's sort of the, the, the idea of where the dhikr is supposed to take us to. May Allah Ta'ala grant us that. Amen. Allah says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhal amanu, O you who believe, لا تلهكم أموالكم ولا أولادكم عن ذكر الله. Allah Taala forgive us all, but Allah says, do not allow that your wealth and your children must distract you from the remembrance of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Do not allow that your wealth and your children must distract you from the remembrance of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. This is something that you know it needs no explanation. We can just repeat this over and over and over and we can ponder on it for ourselves. O oh, you who believe, let not your wealth and your children distract you from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The most apparent way that happens, what am I doing and what is my response and what is my demeanor when I hear the adhan? That's a remembrance of Allah. So now, do I still keep myself busy with whatever it was that I was busy with or do I start winding down now to say, hey, I must go make salah and I must go do it now. I mustn't do it later. What is my own uh, position and mindset at that particular time? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in one verse, Speaking and referring to deeds and actions, to him goes the good word. To him goes the good word and the good action raises it. To him goes the good word and the good action raises it. In another verse, Allah speaks about the good things that remain. 
and the scholars they term that as being the best thing that can remain would be the statement La ilaha illallah which is a statement of dhikr so here Allah says that the good words will go up to him every word of dhikr will go up to Allah it will be known, it will be recorded that this particular person made this dhikr and they made those adhkar and they made those adhkar and then good deeds also push that and help it go up quicker and faster subhanallah in the same manner that uh, the Prophet Allah tells us, if you were to perform a bad deed, then follow it up with a good deed. Uh, that good deed will wipe out the bad deed. Subhanallah. So here Allah gives us opportunity with that to uh, take stock of those bad deeds that had been done by doing good deeds. And here we can let our good deeds go even further and quicker by doing even more good deeds. Subhanallah. وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ تَضَرُّعًا وَخِيفَةً وَدُونَ الْجَهْرِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ بِالْغُدُوِّ وَالْآصَالِ وَلَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ This verse, if you remember, guys, remember the first week, so we did that little exercise of focusing on your heart. So some scholars mention this verse as the proof for that. So the verse is, Remember your Lord. وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ Within yourself. Remember Allah within yourself. So the scholars, they, they look at this and they say, This within yourself is not an external remembrance of Allah. It's not one where I'm going to say, Allah, 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 subhanallah, subhanallah. No. Fi nafsika, within yourself means your spiritual heart. You need to conscientize your, your mind to your spiritual heart that is constantly beating within yourself about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remembering Him. And how must you do this? Tadarru'an wa khifatan wa dunal jahri min al-qawl. Three restrictions in the verse. Allah says, Tadarru'an with the... Uh, utmost humility with uh, submission وَخِيفَةً and in a very very uh, hidden sort of manner in a hidden manner and the next part explains it وَدُونَ الْجَهْرِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ without an apparent word without a loud word subhanallah it is not necessary that for me to remember Allah I must be shouting at the top of my voice or I must be screaming and so forth or shouting out the pujis no and or they mustn't even have to be a lagu with it. The lagu is nice for extra because that's something that you know uh, gives us some enjoyment. But uh, if it's without a lagu, that's also fine, no problem. Uh, and the last portion of the verse, and Allah says, "Do not be of those who are unmindful. Do not be of those who are unmindful. To be a dhakir. There's two words here: dhakir and ghafil. Dhakir would be the re- the rememberer, the one who remembers." And ghafil is the one that is unmindful. So if you are not one that is in a state of remembrance of Allah, then what are we doing? Then we are being in a state of unmindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah clearly tells us here, do not be of those that are unmindful. So that's a number of ayat coming in the Quran regarding dhikr and the importance of dhikr. The Prophet ﷺ tells us, مَثَلُ الْبَيْتِ الَّذِي يُذْكَرُ اللَّهُ فِيهِ the example of the home wherein Allah is remembered and the home wherein Allah is not remembered is like the example between a loving person and a dead person. Subhanallah. The example of the person himself, another narration, the example of the person himself that remembers Allah and the one that does not remember Allah is like the example of a living person and a dead person. So now we need to ask ourselves, 
do we, do we want to be the living dead? Like a zombie. Because that is a person that is alive that doesn't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all. Uh, uh, speaking about the Quran, the Prophet says that the home in which the Quran is not recited is, or he says, don't make your homes like graveyards. Don't make your homes like graveyards. Indeed, the home in Surah Baqarah and the Surah, or that Surah is recited, uh, will be a home that is given life and it is brought alive through the reading of the Quran. Again, one of those all important forms of dhikr that we are able and that we can make. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال أبو هريرة نريد said لا يقعد قوم يذكرون الله there is absolutely no people that sit and remember Allah subhanahu wa taala إلا حفتهم الملائكة except that the angels cover them وغشيتهم الرحمة or the angels surround them uh, and the mercy of Allah covers them ونزلت عليهم السكينة and the tranquility of Allah Ta'ala descends upon them, and the greatest virtue of all of them, وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ And Allah mentions them to those that are by Him. Allah mentions them to those that are by Him. Imagine that. You and I sit here and we remember Allah, and Allah Ta'ala tells those beings that are by Him, look at my slave over there, look at what he's doing. Look at my slave over there, look at what she's doing. Look at that slave of mine, they're remembering me. They could have done so many other things. They could have ignored me. But look how they are remembering me. Subhanallah. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ spoke to one sahabi one day. Uh, if I remember correctly, this was also to Ubay ibn Ka'ab. So the Prophet ﷺ tells him that, uh, Oh Ubay, indeed Allah told me to tell you to recite the surah. The surah was, لَمْ لم يكن الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب. Indeed, Allah told me to tell you to recite this particular surah. And the Sahabi looked at the Prophet ﷺ and he burst out in tears and he said, Ya Rasulullah, did Allah mention my name? Did Allah mention my name? And he said, yes, Allah mentioned your name. Allah told you, I must tell you to read this particular surah. And uh, this, our scholars mention, where does this come from? This comes from the other ayah where Allah says, فَذْكُرُونِي أذكركم فذكروني you remember me أذكركم and I will remember you Subhanallah so this was the proof to that Sahabi of his remembrance of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that he received a greeting from the Prophet ﷺ from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala so uh, yes the importance of dhikr we cannot uh, emphasize and we cannot go uh, overboard in fact in telling ourselves and reminding ourselves of the importance of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, one narration, and I'll, I'll end this uh, particular section with this narration, quite a little bit of a lengthy narration, but the Prophet sallallahu says that Allah ta'ala has angels, special angels, of course every angel, or group of angels, they have their duty or their tasks. This group of angels, their job is to walk the streets and to look for gatherings of dhikr. They walk the streets and they look for a gathering of dhikr where everyone is remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when they find a people that, remember, that are remembering Allah, then they tell uh, the other angels, Halummu ila hajatikum, come, come, come around, come around, come around. So in other words, all the angels have this job, so they're looking for where people is making dhikr. 
So they find a group, and then that angel say, hey, hey, wait, wait, come here, come here, here they, they're making thicker over here. And all the angels come, and they now surround this particular gathering. And then they stack up on one another. This is the words of the hadith. They stack up, uh, 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 they stack up on one another until they reach the heavens. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks them, uh, but Allah is most knowledgeable amongst them. Right? So Allah definitely is most knowledgeable. But still Allah asks them, why? Because of the, the, the greatness of this incident and the greatness of what is about to transpire. So Allah wants it to happen as an entire incident. So Allah asks them, where do you come from? So they say, Ya Allah, we came from your slaves. So Allah asks, what are they doing there? What are they saying? So the angels say, Ya Allah, they are praising you. They are glorifying you. They are saying how great you are. Uh, they are declaring your majesty, etc., etc. And then Allah Ta'ala asked them, did they see me? All those slaves of mine, they're praising me. So did they see me? Angels say, no, Ya Allah, they never saw you. And then Allah asked the angels, how would it been if they had seen me? And the angels say, Ya Allah, if they saw you, then they would even be making much more ibadah because they would know what you are about and they would want to be with you and they would want to meet you. If they saw you, they would make much, much more ibadah than what they are currently making. And then Allah Ta'ala asks, uh, or rather Allah asks the angels, what are they asking? Uh, so the angels say, Ya Allah, they're asking for Jannah. They want to enter your Jannah. Allah asks, did they see my Jannah? Angels said, no. Allah asks, how would it be if they had to see my Jannah. And then the people say, Ya Allah, they, de- they desire your Jannah so much and they didn't even see it. If they had to see it, then they would desire it so much more and they would make even much more dua and much more request and much more begging and asking of you to give them that Jannah. And then Allah Ta'ala asks, what are they seeking refuge in me from? And the angels say, Ya Allah, they're seeking refuge from your fire and from your punishment. And then Allah asked, did they see my fire and my punishment? And the angels say, no, Ya Allah, they didn't see it. And Allah says, if they had to see it, then what would they be like? How would they be? And Allah says, Ya Allah, if they had to see your Jahannam, then they would be even more uh, severe in asking you to protect them. They would ask you and beg you more to save them from that fire of Jahannam. And then Allah Ta'ala says, فَأَشْهَدُكُمْ أَنِّي قَدْ غَفَرْتُ لَهُمْ I make you witnesses, O my angels, that I have indeed forgiven every single one of them. There's a people sitting in the gathering of dhikr. I have indeed forgiven every single one of them. And then the angels say, one of the angels say, Ya Allah, amongst them, is such and such a person. He didn't actually come for the dhikr. He just came for some other need. They, that Buddha that owed him money. Went to the Khadati to go make the dhikr. He was like making dua that this man don't come out now looking for his money. But anyway, he just came to the dhikr to fetch his money by that guy that owed him money. And then Allah Ta'ala says, What? Hum al julasa'u, or hum qawmun in different narration. They are such a gathering of people, says Allah. La yashqa bihim jalisuhum. No one that sits by them will be short. No one that sits by them will be deprived. In other words, you're not there for the purpose of the dhikr. You just found yourself by the people of dhikr. You will also achieve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. Amin ya rabbal alamin. Allah ta'ala grant us that. Uh, gatherings of dhikr, extremely important for us in terms of our spiritual connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah tells us, Kunu ma'as sadiqeen.
that you should be with those truthful people and truthful people undoubtedly we will definitely find them in these gatherings where Allah Ta'ala is remembered. Um, there's great benefit in remembering Allah Ta'ala on one's own and there's other great benefit in sitting in a group where Allah Ta'ala is being remembered. Uh, there's many other ahadith that speaks about this, remembering Allah Ta'ala in groups uh, and with others and so forth and so on. Uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked the Sahaba, why are you sitting here? So they say, no, we're remembering Allah and because of the greatness and whatever goodness Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala had given us. And then he says, is there nothing else that's keeping you here? And they say, yes, it's, this is all. The only reason that we're here is to remember Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala amongst ourselves. And then Allah, the Prophet Sallallahu gives them glad tidings of the greatness of that particular gathering and the fact that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala accepts him and Allah Ta'ala forgives all their sins. Subhanallah. Gathering of dhikr doesn't mean a big, big gathering of 50 people and 100 liter pot of food and all of these things. No. Myself and my spouse, subhanallah, gathering of dhikr. Myself and my two or three children, gathering of dhikr. Myself and my wife and my children, gathering of dhikr, subhanallah. Five minutes, ten minutes, what do I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for today? What happened that I can thank Allah for? And we go around the table, subhanallah. Uh, very beautiful how children can pick up on this particular type of a thing. Uh, and, 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 and this is how we connect them. This is how we connect him to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A child won't understand to sit there on the musalla and say 100 times, La ilaha illallah. But you can ask that child, um, What are you thankful for that Allah gave you today? What are you thankful for that Allah gave you today? And that child will say, Ya Allah, mommy, I'm thankful for this. And Allah gave me that and I got that and I got that. That is us teaching our children, our grandchildren to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Greatly important within our salah, as we mentioned, and greatly important outside of our salah, uh, as we will reference in this particular uh, book that we have in front of us, inshallah. Uh, we'll take a short break for about 10, 10, 10 minutes, or uh, maybe a bit longer, a few minutes longer. I need to sign the certificates. Uh, and when we come back, inshallah, we will speak about dua, and uh, we'll go through some of the duas that we have in front of us here, and uh, the importance of, and some of the adab, and the etiquettes of how. We make dua. Oh, there's three points over here just before break. Um, number one, distractions in the masjid. Number two, what to recite in positions as a follower. And number three, what is perhaps the bare minimum to do? What is perhaps the bare minimum to do? Sometimes we in a drug, we have 20 minutes for break or whatever the case may be. We must have a break and dust and toilet and all of this stuff. And I must make my salah. What do I do and how do I do it? Um, of course, when we speak about what is bare minimum in anything, we refer to the fard. There is absolutely nothing wrong uh, legislated by the Prophet himself in a person sticking only to the fard. I must repeat this. There is nothing wrong in anyone uh, sticking only to the fard. If a person wanted to do only the fard of whatever he has to do for his entire life, he only wants to do the fard, Bismillah, no problem, you're welcome to do so. Why do we say that? Sahabi came to the Prophet ﷺ. He said, Ya Rasulullah, please inform me about this salah. Uh, and the Prophet ﷺ says, Allah Ta'ala had prescribed for us five salahs for the day. And then he said, uh, is there anything else besides that? Prophet ﷺ said, no. 
And then he said, okay, I'm going to do that and I'm not going to do anything more. And then the Prophet said, okay. okay, now tell me about fasting. We fast as Muslims. Allah Ta'ala commands us to fast 29 or 30 days month of Ramadan. Is there anything more that I must do? Prophet says, no, you don't have to do except if you want to do extra. With the same with Salah as well. Is there anything more that I must do, Ya Rasulullah? Prophet says, no, don't have to do anything more except if you want to do extra. Right, how much zakah must I give? 2.5%. Uh, must I do anything more? Must I give anything extra? Sadaqah or zakat or lillaya or sadaqadi or whatever the case may be. A slavat here and there. Must I do that? No. Only if you want to give extra. And so forth and so on in terms of injunctions. And then at the end of it he said, Wallahi, he took an oath by Allah, he said, I will not do more and I will not do less. I will not do more and I will not do less. And he leaves. And the Prophet ﷺ says, about that person, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ إِنْ If that person is truthful, then he will be successful. In other words, if he only sticks to the fard as a Muslim, he will be successful. Right? So this is the first thing that we remember. Many of the things that come with our salah are packaged in a way that it contains uh, fard and sunnah things. Okay? And if we don't, of course, now take a, a detailed study of our salah, which would be something like our fiqh of salah course that we run here with Mawlana Mu'adh, then we might see everything as being those all important things that should be done. But when I know this is fard, then I know this I have to do, can't leave this out, that I have to do, can't leave that out, and so forth and so on, uh, then I know and I'm much more aware of what is fard and what is not fard. Um, so of the salah itself, what is the bare minimum would be all the positions that we firstly stand in. right? So the qiyam position, standing, Ruku, i'tidal, the sitting in between the two sajidas, and the last sitting as well. The recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha, that is a fard of the salah, that is something that we must do. So uh, one, uh, one of the other question that now relates to that is, say I'm standing behind the imam, and the imam recites in front. So what do I do? I wait for the imam to be silent, and then I recite my Surah Fatiha. What then if the imam starts reciting the surah that comes thereafter? So again, this is the area of fiqh. There's a great number of opinions among scholars in terms of how these things can and must be incorporated. Some scholars mentioned to us that the imam's fatiha is enough for the jama'ah that follows him. This is specifically in the madhab of Imam Abu Hanifa. Uh, anhu. He says that the, the imam recites surah fatiha, that's enough for everyone. Imam Shafi'i says no, every person on their own must recite surah fatiha. And that's why there's a little pause after the Imam reads his Fatiha so that we can recite our Surah Fatiha. Other scholars come later on and they say, no, perhaps the Imam is a little bit too fast, so he doesn't give that gap. So what should I do? I should read my Surah Fatiha while the Imam is reading his Surah Fatiha. And in that way, I will still have my Surah Fatiha recited. Um, whichever it is that we decide again, so to come back because of the fact that most of us are or if not all of us follow the, the, the madhab of Imam Shafi'i, we will take that particular opinion that it is that we will recite our Surah Fatiha. Right? So after the Imam is done with his reading, then I recite my Surah Fatiha of whatever it is that I'm able to read. So I recite whatever I can of the Surah Fatiha until he starts reading. Once he starts reading again, then I need to listen to the recitation of the Imam. And once the Imam is done reciting, the Imam goes down into Ruku'ah. Right? If I have a, a verse left of Surah Al-Fatiha, can recite that verse then, or if I don't recite it then as well, inshallah, the salah would still be correct and accepted based on the first original idea that we mentioned, 
that this person now didn't have the time to recite that Surah Fatiha on their own. Uh, some scholars draw a difference whether it's a loud salah or a soft salah. Because when it's a loud salah, everybody's listening to the Imam when he reads his surah and he reads afterwards. But the soft salah, everyone is reading on their own. So the, some scholars will say for the soft salah, everybody must bacha on their own. But for the loud salah, it's fine if they do it with the Imam. And Allah knows best. In the ruku and the sujood, subhana rabbi al-azim, subhana rabbi al-a'la, also sunnah adhkar that ought to be made at that point, very, very great. But still a sunnah. Um, and then the other requirement is the salawat in the last sitting, at-tahiyat al-mubarakatu, and Allahumma salli ala sina Muhammad. Those are uh, arkan of the salah as well. Okay? Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Allah ta'ala put barakah in our time. Allah put barakah in our time that people mustn't lower with us. They must know when the salah time, they must just wait till we finish. And, you know, they know we'll get back to our jobs thereafter, inshallah. May Allah Ta'ala instill that into people's hearts. We cannot do that, but Allah can instill that understanding in them to know that they can come check up on us. Hey, did you make salah already? You must go make your salah, then you can come back to work. Distractions. Um, yeah, the, the, the first thing of distractions, uh, firstly, it would probably be with ourselves. And thereafter, yes, the external environment does provide some sort of distraction. Uh, there's no getting away from that. But the first, first idea is that I must, must now focus internally. I must try as best as I can to focus internally. Because if I look externally, inevitably there's definitely going to be some sort of distraction somewhere unless I go lock myself up in a little corner in my room there and then there's going to be a fly somewhere there that's going to be distracting you. But I mean, there's always going to be somewhat of a distraction. I need to learn how to minimize all those distractions as best as I possibly can. So if I'm someone that is visually vaka uh, uh, and my sight gets taken very quickly, then what do I do? I will try to perform my salah perhaps uh, right in the front against the wall. So I'm right in front where there's no place for me to now look around. I'll make my salah on a plain carpet, on a plain mat. Because why? Yeah, you just see that laugh there. Yeah, you should look at the carpet and you see a dajjal jump there out of the carpet there and now your mind is gone from the salah. And you know what I mean? So this is kind of things. If you've got some sort of clout and you can mention to anyone they're putting a new carpet in the masjid, write a letter to the committee and say, Kanala, don't put tajal carpets in the masjid. Because why? Uh, disturb us when you make salah. Put a plain carpet in the masjid. This is the, it's a very, very important thing. It's a very relevant thing. It's something that has the potential to distract. So uh, as much as I can, I will try to limit myself firstly and then whatever other distractions from the outside, I just try as best as I can to cut them out and if I can't, then Allah Ta'ala knows best and may Allah grant us to be sincere in that salah. Wa sallallahu ala sallam Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, O Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. Oh, ya Allah, oh, ya Allah, Allah, ya.
اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم The Sahabi comes to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he asks, Ya Rasulullah, how much of my dua? How much of my dua must I make salah upon you? Because I know, as a Muslim, I must love Allah and I must remember Allah. And I must make salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So how much of my dua must I make salah on you, Rasulullah? The Prophet sallallahu said, No, whatever you want to, whatever you can. So he said, Ya Rasulullah, must I make a third of my dua? Must I make that salah upon you? So the Prophet sallallahu said, One third is good, but um, uh, more will be better. And then Sahabi said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm going to make half of my of my dua, of my salah, of my dua, I'm going to make salah upon you. Prophet said, MashaAllah, half is good, but if you can do more, then that will be better for you. The Prophet said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm going to make two-thirds of my dua. I'm going to make dua, one-third, and I'm going to praise you, two-thirds. Prophet said, MashaAllah, that's better than half, but if you get to do more, that's better for you. Sahabi thought, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm not going to make dua at all. I'm just going to make salah upon you. If that be good, Prophet ﷺ told him, that will be the best for you and all of your needs will be seen to and Allah Ta'ala will take care of all of your worries. Subhanallah. How can we remember Allah? How can we remember Allah, remember the Prophet ﷺ without remembering Allah firstly? Because in the salah, what do we say? Allahumma salli. We first remember Allah and then we remember the Prophet ﷺ. So we ask, Ya Allah, you send those greetings Ya Allah, I'm not even worthy to send greetings to the Prophet So I call on you Allah, you send greetings to Rasulullah on my behalf. And this is the uh, importance and the beauty of salawat. Uh, there's some uh, narrations, I, I don't uh, recall the, the strings of this particular narration, but um, uh, we know the, the status of, of weak narrations that we can use to show the virtue of certain actions as well. The Prophet said in one narration that whoever says, uh, whoever sends 1,000 salawat on a Friday 
a thousand salawat on a Friday, they will not pass away from this dunya until is it on a Friday or every day. Allahumma salli ala sinna Muhammad. Okay, yeah, there's some uh, fuzzy. Either it's on a Friday or every day. But uh, whoever says a thousand times salawat, they will not pass away until they see the place in Jannah. They will not pass away until they see the place in Jannah. So again, the idea is perhaps that is something that Allah Ta'ala will bless you with. Perhaps Allah will not bless you with it. But what is the idea here? Abundance of salawat on Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We would find people, uh, and again this you would find in, in, in books that are written, but people mentioning about their visits and their interaction with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That the Prophet Sallallahu comes visits me once a week, or he comes once a month, or he comes every night, or he comes every other night. Subhanallah. And those people would be asked, you know, what is it? What do you then do? Why are you so special that the Prophet ﷺ come to visit you and he doesn't come to visit other people? So firstly, that is Allah Ta'ala's decision. But secondly, there's means for us to be able to achieve that. We remember Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, we call on Him, we ask Him to grant us that. And we send and we make a great part of our ibadah, salawat on the Prophet ﷺ. We make a great part of our lives, the living of His sunnah and the implementing of His sunnah. And then Allah Ta'ala might just bless us with something like that. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. We move on to the next part here, brothers and sisters, that the idea of dua, the importance of dua, the significance of dua, why should we make, who should we make to, uh, for what is the purpose of our making dua, and so forth and so on. Number one, first and foremost, we always remind ourselves, to whom do we make dua? To whom do we make dua? The most important one, the only one worthy of worship, la ilaha, Illallah. The only one truly worthy of asking is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Truly worthy. And when we say that, we don't mean it's not worth it to ask other people. No. But we first ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We first put our needs and our desires and whatever our shortcomings are, we put it in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we converse and we uh, you know, call and, and supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this manner. وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ وَدَعُونِي أَسْتَجِبَ لَكُمْ We mentioned the ayah earlier. Allah says that, oh, uh, tell my slaves, uh, or your Lord says, call me and I will answer you. I will respond to you. And the next part of the verse, Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي Indeed, those who have arrogance towards my worship, سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ They will enter, يعني they will be dragged off to the fire of Jahannam. So Allah says, call on me and I will answer you. And then Allah says, those who are arrogant towards my ibadah, they will be dragged to Jahannam. So now there is immediate correlation between the purpose of the dua. Indeed, those who have arrogance towards my towards my uh, servitude, towards my worship. Allahu Akbar. When I make dua, what am I doing? I'm asking. Why am I asking? Because I can't do it on my own. I can't. I can't make it happen. I can't. Hey, I need your help, man. Come start my car. Come do this for me. Ta, 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 ta. I'm declaring my incapability, my inability to get the job done. So what do I do? I ask and I ask and I ask. But now I need to remember that the one that created every single thing is the one that makes every single thing happen and I need to ask him firstly. Um, the poet says, uh, the poet says, "La tasalanna bani Adam hajatan." Do not ever ask the son of Adam for your need. Wasal ladi abwabuhu la tughlaku. 
But ask the one whose door never ever closes. Ask the one whose door never ever closes. Bani Adam The son of man, when he is asked, he becomes angry. But Allah becomes angry when you don't ask. Man becomes angry when you do ask. Allah becomes angry when you don't ask. Subhanallah. May Allah Ta'ala protect us from this. But just envision this. Uh, that guy comes to knock on your door. Assalamualaikum auntie. It's up to itikan Allah. Okay, krap madakaw. Bismillah, khima fuhum badak. Mora? Assalamualaikum auntie. Taki kos ka nala. Alright, I've seen now ni. Kuma vya bichi later na. The next day. Assalamualaikum buta. It's up to itikan Allah. Yo. Does he watch does he people? Does he know the people is at home here? How does he just come to this house? He don't go next door by the other house. He just come knock here by my door. Then 10 minutes after he come, then another four other small children come running down here. Did he send them? So now, the next day, I'm like, oh, titi. Oh, my God, nuts put as if you come over. I'm like, oh, auntie. How many times, how many times, and this is now an introspection for each of us, how many times before I swore that man in my head, astaghfirullah, how many times before I swore him, I need to introspect here. Okay, okay, man, make my effort, go walk there, give him one slice of bread, or make the effort, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, and it's again the next day, again the next day. Did it ever come to a point where I enjoyed I was looking for that guy today. Did it ever come to that point? Was that, oh, that pechi tamaf? But that I looked for him, hey, where is, what's the name? I didn't see him for a few days. I had to give him something to eat. Did I get to that point already of giving someone? Subhanallah. Imagine me and you knocked on Allah's door. And Allah said, ah, we know, Kobi. Imagine if me and you sitting there and we come big by Allah and Allah say, no, there isn't for you here. Go away. There isn't for you here. What are you doing here? The very least we can do is perhaps in a nice way. In a nice way. Sorry, uncle. Again, yeah, we don't have to give. No? You don't have to give. But, puta, titi, sorry, I don't have anything for you today, inshallah. See, come again tomorrow, next day, whenever the case may be. But again, yeah, that's the, the, the nice way that we're supposed to do it. But I want to highlight that thing there. That coming again and again and again and again and again. I come five, three times to you. Oh, it is lastig. You should delete my number from your WhatsApp. But Allah, I come today and Allah will give me. And I come tomorrow and Allah will give me. And I come the next day and Allah will give me. And I come the next day and Allah will give me. And I come 50 times in the same day and Allah will give me. At every single junction, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give me. And this is part of my etiquette of dua. Because what did Allah say in this verse? Call on me and I will respond to you. Allah doesn't say, call on me and if you were a good Muslim, then I will respond. Or call on me and if, then I will respond. And call on me and if so and so, then I will respond. No. Allah says, call on me and I will respond. So this is something that I must believe when I make dua. Definitely Allah Ta'ala answers and accepts my dua. What follows, my dear brother and sister? He is most now that instant gratification. Me and you must instant gratification. So I ask now, 
Yallah, where's my car? I asked, made last year Ramadan, ready to ask for a car. And I didn't get my car yet. Subhanallah. The fact that Allah accepts the dua, and the fact that I got what I wanted from the dua is two different things, my dear brother and sister. Right? Allah Ta'ala always accepts all of our dua, but how does He respond? Allah Ta'ala responds as He wishes, when He wants to, in His own time, when He believes and knows that it is right for us. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will respond. And that can either come immediately. We can make dua, and if Allah sees fit, that person, slave, needs it now, Bismillah, they get it now. Um, and sometimes it might be later. So Allah Ta'ala will delay that particular thing for that person for whatever reason he might know of, but Allah delays and they get it sometime later. Or the third option is that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala stores that reward of that dua for that person and they will meet that on the day of Qiyamah. Allah Ta'ala will store the reward of that dua for that person and they will find the benefit thereof. But at no possible point in time does Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala uh, not respond to our du'as. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. An Abi Hurairah radiallahu anhu, laysa shay'un akramu ala Allahi min ad-du'a. There is nothing more honorable in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than du'a. Idea here being that slave that puts themselves down in front of Allah and they recognize and they pay homage and they uh, admit, Ya Allah, I'm in need you are absolutely not in need. And I need from you, you need absolutely nothing from me. This is what dua starts with. Uh, there's a great number of etiquettes, or not a great number, but there are a number of etiquettes to, to keep in mind when we perform dua. Uh, Allah, Ta'ala, Allah says in the Quran, call upon Allah mukhlisin. The same like every other action that we do, it must be mukhlisan, there must be ikhlas, we must be doing it solely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We must not be doing it for anyone else or for any other worldly gain or, um, you know, just because whatever, of whatever other reason. The reason must always be that we are imploring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to draw from the treasures of Allah. We want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send His khair and barakah down on us uh, and not anyone else. Now. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم عن فضال ابن عبيد رضي الله عنه قال سمع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يدعو في صلاته again part of the etiquette of the dua the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم heard someone making dua in his salah which again there's no problem with but لم يم لم يمجد الله ولم يصلي على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم he made dua but he did not praise Allah and he did not send salawat عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عجل هذا then the prophet sallallahu said that this person he was astakh he made quick he pulled the, just pulled the short one over here why because he made dua without praising Allah and without sending salawat on Rasulullah and then the prophet sallallahu called him and the prophet told him the hadith says told him or told others so this was also of the wisdom of the Prophet ﷺ. If somebody did something wrong, he wouldn't reprimand that person. He'd speak to the whole gathering to remind them all, oh, and see all of you, sna. but he's actually speaking to that one person, sort of, you know, just covering the honor and the dignity of the person at that time. So the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا أَحَدُكُمْ When any one of you makes salah, فَلْيَبْدَأْ بِتَمْجِيدِ اللَّهِ 
Let him start by praising Allah and extolling him and exalting him. And then, And then let him make salawat on Rasulullah and then he can make dua with whatever he wants to thereafter. He must first praise Allah and then he must send salawat on Rasulullah and then he should make dua. We made the example with the Surah Fatiha about us not knowing and Allah Ta'ala showing us, number one, number two, and the Surah of the Kanala Jopi type of a mindset. So when you come for a kanala jopi, and then you don't say, Yeah, Haji, don't give me. Now you come in and you say, Salam alaikum, mashallah, nice haircut, Haji. But was Haji be a dibaba, ta ta ta, and now you start small talking, and oh, mashallah, it's a mamoy pa, skuna ukna, auntie, like if you had you eat gesot, mashallah, ta ta ta, and so on and so on. And after all the nitty gritty and the few compliments that you threw in there, listen, yeah, man, I have a problem, I need you to help me go with something. And that's when you come with a style, right? So Allah Ta'ala is the one that showed us how to do this. And the Prophet ﷺ teaches us, this is the etiquette of how you do things. SubhanAllah, in September, I was, um, I was afforded to travel to Eastern Cape and we did some da'wah. But Eastern Cape, rural, rural areas, it's not still very rural areas, so the king and the, the, the chiefs of the village and so on. You can't just come with your 40 days pedal jamaat and now you want to go in there and you want to go knock door to door and you know, invite the people to Islam. No, that's not the etiquette. Your etiquette is first, you come in, you must go to the chief's house. That's the etiquette, because this is the chief's area. So you go there, Bismillah, chief, we come from Cape Town, bring you a sticky snook, there's an offering here, ta, 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 and this is the message that we bring, can we enter here into your village? Then the chief says, right, Bismillah, ta, 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 you want, okay, this sticky snook, there's a one week, can, can come back another week with another sticky snook, but you brought your offering, now you can come. Subhanallah. This is again very, very important for us and for us to teach our, our young'uns. So uh, the lady yesterday, yeah, he wanted ice cream and then I told him, go to your granny and then you first say, Ma, I love you very much and you give him a big hug, then you ask her for ice cream. And so, you know, first, Ma, I love you and then give me ice cream. Then, inshallah, you will receive that which you ask for. Allah Ta'ala teaches us how to do it. Surah Fatiha, we first praise Allah. We first extol Him, we uh, you know, make him grand. And this is what I want to bring back to the part of dua. If I'm not an Arabic speaker, how do I know how to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It will only be either by uh, some other dua that I might have learned or memorized, right? Um, but it's not really something that I spend time and I sit on my musalla and I speak to Allah as I am, like I'm praising Him. But I speak and I have a conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, yes, there's limits and there's, there's etiquette to have when we do something like this. But this is what part of dua essentially is. In Arabic, there's a term, it's called ibtihal. Ibtihal means to, to implore. So to implore, to call, to call on someone and just to, to speak to them. So it's like a qasida, but they would, they would just speak. Ya Allah, you are so great. Ya Allah, you blessed me this, you blessed me with this today. Ya Allah, you gave me uh, wife, alhamdulillah. Ya Allah, you gave me this beautiful house. Ya Allah, shukr, ya Allah. Ya Allah, you, uh, you took this thing out of my way today. Ya Allah, I thank you for that. Ya Allah, you were so great. I was able to open my eyes this morning. Do we speak to Allah in this particular manner? And this is one thing that Allah Ta'ala wants to see from us in our dua. That we sit and we speak and we beg, in fact. We beg in front of Allah. 
and one hadith the Prophet says that Allah loves it when a slave he, he, he begs when the word is used is ilhah ilhah alha yulihu ilhah to beg. So uh, uh, another of the etiquettes the Prophet teaches us, even if you don't have tears, fatabako, you should press the tears out. You must make like you're crying. You must wail, and uh, that's how you must behave like you are a person in need, and you will absolutely be destroyed if that need of yours is not answered and that need of yours is not responded to. That is how we uh, are encouraged to approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when making dua. Ud'u Allah wa antum muqinuna bil ijabah. Call upon Allah, this relates to what we mentioned previously, call upon Allah whilst you are convinced of an answer. Whilst you are convinced of an answer. Don't doubt that Allah will accept this dua or not. Don't ask, Ya Allah, if you want to, give me a new car, then give me a new car. Don't say that if you want to. No. Ya Allah, give me a new car. Amen. And Allah will give you the new car. Again, check the, the provisos mentioned. Not like you want or you decide, but like Allah will want and like Allah will decide. وَعَلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَسْتَجِيبُ دُعَاءٍ or du'a'an min qalbin ghafilin lahin. And this is very, very important for all of us. Uh, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not answer a du'a from a heart that is unmindful and uh, lahin, like distracted. Uh, uh, yeah, unmindful and distracted. So, what's that? Um, oh, Allah give me a house, Allah give me a car, Allah give me, Allah give me, Allah give me, Amin. I mean, and whatever, right? So it's a just now becomes. It becomes that thing of, it's just something that I say, and it's not something that I ponder in in terms of what it is that I'm asking and who am I asking that from? Subhanallah. And this is the the highlight over here. Uh, again, I, I I don't want to, uh, and I don't mean to shoot anyone down in terms of. Uh, uh, perhaps that sitting in the masjid and making dua and saying amin if I don't understand what the imam is doing and so on. No, that is well within its place. I just want to relate this to each of our own personal uh, connection to dua. So, you know, the main thing we must all realize that this is something important. It's not just for the imam to make dua and I sit at the back and say amin and when he's finished, then I'm also finished. No, my dua is not uh, hanging on anybody else's dua. I make dua with them, but I can make my own dua as well. right? And I can make dua for someone else as well. There's no problem. Um, but it's this personal effort. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa'an ibn As'ad or Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu qal Sami'ani Abi wa'ana aqool so uh, the Sa'ad, he, he says that my father heard me making dua and I was saying, and he says that the dua that he made was this, Allahumma inni as'alukal jannata wa na'imaha wa bahjataha wa kada wa kada. So oh Allah, I ask you for jannah and I ask you for the enjoyment inside jannah and I ask you for this of jannah and that of jannah and that of jannah and that of jannah. So he like went into specifics. Then he said, uh, I, he went on his dua, then he said, Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the fire of Jahannam and the chains of Jahannam and the, 
the fetters, the shekels of Jahannam, and this of Jahannam, and that of Jahannam, and that of Jahannam. So he again went into detail. So his father said to him, Oh my beloved son, I heard the Prophet say, There will be a people that will be extravagant, they will exceed the bounds in their dua. In other words, they will exceed the bounds in their dua. What does this mean? Don't be of them. So the Sahabi tells his son, don't be of them, don't be someone that exceeds the bounds in dua. Innaka in jannata fa wa al khair. If it is that you want Jannah, then you must ask Allah for Jannah and every single good that that Jannah will have to offer you. Don't ask for this good thing and that good thing and that good thing and that good thing. No. Every single thing in there will be good and it must be good for you. And don't ask Allah to protect you from Jahannam and that part and that part and that part. No. You want Allah to protect you from every single part of Jahannam. Okay? So the idea here is all-encompassing dua. That's what we want to make. All-encompassing dua. So, yeah, Allah, don't just grant me a, uh, grant me a job where I have good colleagues that are nice to me. Or whatever the case may be. Whatever you want to be specific. No. Ya Allah, grant me a, a means of income where I am happy from every angle possible. Ya Allah, grant me this. Make it an all-encompassing dua. Yes, Allah Ta'ala does respond to specific duas as well. We can ask the hajis that made the dua in front of the Kaaba and they will tell you Allah Ta'ala answers specific duas also. But the encouragement of the Prophet Sallam, ask all-encompassing. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana. Oh Allah, give us our lives in this world, good. Every single aspect, good. Good eyesight, good hearing, good smiling, good health, good wealth, good walking, good car, good house, good wife, good children, good self, and, 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 and. Dunya hasana, good of the world, everything. Fil akhirah hasana, good of the year after, everything. Save us from the fire of Jahannam, the entire Jahannam. The smoke of it, the flames of it, the color of it, the heat of it, ta, 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 all of those things included in this particular dua. Um, what's the one you mentioned? Allahumma inni as'aluka khaira hadha al-yawm. Subhanallah. Very beautiful dua, the Prophet ﷺ. I think you might find it. Oh no, it won't be in this, these notes, but it will be in this book. Oh Allah, I ask you the benefit or the best of this day. Beautiful dua. The best of this day is what I ask you. To open the day, to give the nur of the day, to give the barakah, the blessings of the day, and so forth and so on. Uh, these are types of du'as and things that we want to learn, not only for the Arabic. We want to learn them for their understanding. We want to learn these du'as, we want to read them for their understanding. So what I would suggest for all of us, inshallah, those of us that, alhamdulillah, have already memorized du'as throughout our years, alhamdulillah, absolutely no problem, work on those Arabic du'as and try and Learn what they mean. Try and learn the understanding. And call on Allah with those du'as in Arabic along with the understanding. What if this is a du'a that you want to make but you don't have an Arabic du'a? Then what do you do? Make English du'a. Make Afrikaans du'a. Make a Koza du'a. Make a whatever other language du'a. Make that du'a. Subhanallah. And speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh Allah, the most merciful one. O oh Allah, the kind one. O oh Allah, the just one. O oh Allah, the fair one. O oh Allah, the most merciful one. Ya Allah, you are the one that everyone turns to when asking for forgiveness. Ya Allah, you are the only Lord worthy of worship. 
Ya Allah, I might have committed many, many sins in my life, Ya Allah, but I've never ever put my head on the ground for anyone else besides you, Ya Allah. Huh? Ya Allah, this day that you've given me today, Alhamdulillah, Ya Allah, I had such a good day at work today. Firstly, I came early to work, Ya Allah, I never ever get early to work, but today I came early to work, Alhamdulillah. When I came early, then that parking that I always wanted to get there, close to the door, Ya Allah, you kept it open for me. Shukr, Ya Allah, that I got that parking. And then I went in and I met my, my co-workers, Ya Allah, that first one, he gave me so a fail cake. Ya Allah, forgive him. He gave me a fail cake there. I don't know what I did, but forgive him, Ya Allah. Grant that he can have a better look towards me tomorrow. Ya Allah, whatever difficulty is going on in his life that he gave me that fail cake, uh, you know, take that difficulty out of his life as well. Ya Allah, ta 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 And then lunchtime, Ya Allah, lunchtime, yo, I was feeling so bad. And then I made that other dua. And then, Ya Allah, then I forgot about that pain that was in my stomach. And you the one that took that pain away, Ya Allah. I couldn't have taken it away. Ya Allah, shukr for taking that pain away out of my stomach. And Ya Allah, then I came home and I walked into the house and I saw my wife and I saw how beautiful she was, Ya Allah. I shukr you, Ya Allah, that you gave me such a beautiful wife. Grant that we can always keep one another happy together forever. Amen. Ya Allah, my children. Ya Allah, I gave the one child hiding today. I know I shouldn't have. It was such a small thing, Ya Allah. But Ya Allah, forgive me. Grant that I can make it up to my child, that I can be a better father with him, that I can be a better mother with him, and so forth and so on. Let myself and yourself try as best as we can to appeal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from ourselves on behalf of ourselves. It's something that we perhaps take for granted. It's something that we leave up to the imam to do. It's something that we leave up to a senior person or somebody else to do. But we must realize it is something that each and every one of us can and should be doing. Each and every one of us can and should be doing. So we take these few etiquettes, inshallah. Uh, one of the etiquettes I, I very strongly remember, I don't see a narration of it here in the text that I'm reading, but is the idea of sadaqah that goes with dua. Sadaqah that goes with dua, very, very important, very beautiful. Uh, hadith speaks about sadaqah, dimming or dampening the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the Quran speaks about a man that will pass away one day and he will wish to come back to the dunya so that he can do one good deed. And what deed does he mention? Of all the deeds that is possible that he can do, he says, Ya Allah, let me go back so that I can give a sadaqah and I can be a pious person. That I can give sadaqah and be a pious person. So now, I'm in a drug, I need to make a dua and I need Allah to accept this dua. Bismillah. What's the first thing? Before the praise and the Salawat to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I go and I give a sadaqah. Buy Kentucky. Yeah, Bismillah. Let Kentucky come sit with me. I smack it of the sadaqah also and you can share with me also. But I give some sort of sadaqah. Anything. And then I lift my hands and I praise Allah and I send salawat on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and I ask via that action even. Subhanallah. This in itself, in terms of asking via our actions, something that the Prophet Sallallahu taught us about and he taught us how to do and he even mentioned some narration for us as well. Uh, I think we end with this one, inshallah, in the light of dua. So there was a, a, a group of brothers that got stuck in a cave. The cave became somewhat closed. Uh, they were unable to exit the cave. So they're sitting in the cave and they tell themselves, yo, the only way we can get out here is we must ask, we must make dua. The only possible way with no other way, no man can be strong enough to move this door. So we must ask Allah and Allah himself will open the cave. And then the first guy says, yo, dua, okay, alright, bismillah, dua. So he tells, he tells the other guys the story. So what's the story? I, uh, uh, I, I looked after my parents 
my wife and my children and, and my parents lived with me. And the norm was whenever I go to work, I come home tonight with a supper and then I first feed my mother and my father and then I feed my wife and my children. I never ever fed them before. I first feed my parents. Then one night I worked overtime and I came home late and then my mother and my father were sleeping already. And then my wife and my children, they were very hungry. But so what did I do? Out of honor for my parents, I didn't feed my wife and my children. I stood by the door of my parents' room with the food and I waited for them to wake up. And my wife was shouting at me and the children was crying and whatever. And I didn't worry with them. I waited for my parents to wake up. And when my parents woke up, I fed them and then I fed my the rest of my family. And then he says, Ya Allah, I, I, I hope and you know, if I did that solely for your pleasure, then Ya Allah, open for us uh, this difficulty that we are in now. And then the cave opened up a little bit. And then the next brother, he made dua and he said, you know, I had a, a cousin that was a very, very beautiful cousin and uh, uh, she, was, she and her family were undergoing some sort of difficulty, some difficult hard times and so on. So, uh, uh, I made some sort of indecent proposal towards her. And I told her, you know, no problem. I'll take care of all your financial difficulties. But come, you must come visit me in my quarters. And she came to visit in the quarters and so on. And he was just about to do the deed. And she tells him, do not break the seal except with the right uh, of that seal. In other words, get married before my correct proper nikah. And then this is something that Allah will allow for us. So she reminded him about Allah. When she gave him that reminder, immediately he remembered and he knew what it was that he was doing. He jumped off, he left whatever money he wanted to pay her, he left it as a sadaqah and he left. Then he says, Ya Allah, if I did that solely for your pleasure, then allow that this cave must open, that we can leave. And then the cave opened another little bit. And then the third man stepped forward and he said, Ya Allah, I had a worker that worked for me. And this worker, he worked, he worked, he worked. And at the end of his work, his week, he did not collect his wages. And he left. And I never saw him again. So after some time, I took that wages of his and I invested it. And I bought one or two camels or cows or uh, livestock or whatever. And that livestock just kept on growing and kept on growing and kept on growing. And one, t- one day, some years later, this uh, man came back and he came to l- come look for his pay packet. And then I took him to the field and I showed him, this is your pay over here. And he looked and he got a shock and he saw it was a whole field full of sheep. And so he told the guy, yes, your pay packet that you left here, I invested it and it made so two sheep and then it made four sheep and then it made eight sheep and so on. So that's all your sheep that came from your money. You must take all of that with you and you must go. And he said, Ya Allah, if I did that solely for your pleasure, then open this cave and allow us to come out of this difficulty that we are in. And the cave opened and they were able to leave and exit the cave. So just an example for us of asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala via our deeds through our deeds. Our reading of the Qur'an, subhanallah. We come, we recite Qur'an. I read Qur'an when I'm finished. That's a good deed. Ya Allah, I present this Qur'an to you and I make a dua. Ya Allah, please accept this dua that I am making. The idea of dhikr and the idea of dua extremely important for us. It keeps us grounded in terms of our servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it keeps us in check regarding the fact that there is always one greater and overlooking us. There is always one uh, that is ready to assist and to help and to bring ease and to alleviate difficulty from us, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is only one being truly worthy that we should ask Him, that, sh- that we should call upon Him. 
that we should break ourselves down in front of Him uh, and we should declare that He is the one true worthy of worship uh, and there is no one else that we can worship ever besides Him. Uh, dua and adhkar keeps us in check in that particular way and it is something that we can do at any time and place. Any time and place we can remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, uh, certain times, there's certain dhikrs that can be made and cannot be made. When the, our sisters are on special holiday, we can't recite Quran. Or when men are, okay, we don't get the same kind of special holiday. But there's also time that we cannot recite Quran. Uh, at other times, you can make this dhikr, but you can't do that dhikr. Or you can do that, but you can't do this, and so forth and so on. Uh, you can do this, but you can't make salah. Uh, this is what our lives are like uh, as Muslims. But we remember that through our entire day, the Prophet ﷺ connected us to du'as, to words to say, that we can remember Allah in every single event that happens and transpires on a day-to-day basis. We mentioned to you guys one of the, the books that we can uh, reference regarding this, The Fortress of a Muslim, very well-known, copper-sized book. You can probably get it on the App Store as well, or PDF even, you'll get The Fortress of a Muslim, and you'll find all those du'as on there. Uh, we ask Allah Ta'ala to accept our little bit of effort. We ask that Allah Ta'ala grants our salah to be of a better quality. We ask that Allah Ta'ala grants us to draw closer to Him through salah. We ask that Allah grants us uh, the lekkhit and the fatakhit for salah. There's a, yeah, how do you say fatakhit in, in English? Fatakhit. But fatakhit, na? Yeah. The pleasure, the pleasure, the enjoyment. The pleasure and the enjoyment. May Allah Ta'ala grant us that in our salah. May Allah make it be a means of comfort and a means of enjoyment for us. May Allah grant us the enjoyment and the uh, beauty of the Qur'an. May Allah grant us the understanding of the Qur'an, that we can connect with that Qur'an more through our salah. May Allah grant that we can constantly make dua for ourselves and for others, and that we can uh, always hope that we can become better in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is all that we want to be at the end of it. It doesn't mean I probably won't get to be the best, 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 because the best, 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 nobody will reach that best, best, best. And then if I look at the next best, which would be the Sahaba, then I think, yo, that's already also so very difficult. And I look at the next generation, and I look at, and I can look at all of people that came before me that worshipped Allah. I will probably never be able to be better than them. But I, yeah, that's the wrong people to look at, I guess. I think I'm supposed to actually be, just be looking at me, and what me was like yesterday and yesteryear and last Ramadan and you know, that bad salah that I made, no, I need to work that bad salah out of me. And inshallah, I will be a little bit better tomorrow than what I was yesterday. May Allah Ta'ala accept all of our efforts. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta sami'ul alim. Wa tuba alayna innaka anta tawabur rahim. Allahumma ghfir lana wa liwalidina wa li asatidatina. Warhamhum kama rabbawna sigara. Wa Allah, we ask you to forgive our parents and our children. And uh, to have mercy on our parents. And they had mercy on us when we, when we were small. Uh, اللهم ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا وطلابنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما والله grant our spouses and our children to be the comfort of our eyes وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين